And she came to complete a realization that it was for her sins. Her sins put him up on the cross. And so Simeon says, to the end, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. My dear listeners, I'm Joe Durso, and you are listening to That They Might Know, a podcast dedicated to the proposition that all men are sinners worthy of eternal punishment, and Jesus Christ is the only one that can save. In a world where preachers have proclaimed for over a hundred years that God is love without a little hint that he is also infinitely righteous and just, There is little room to believe that God is angry with a race of fallen and sinful men. Such preaching and teaching have helped to harden whole societies against the accurate preaching of God's word. The sad irony of such false teaching is that it actually works to mask the love of God as found in the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a living sacrifice, a lamb rejected by both God and men, Rejected by God in order to appease his righteous and holy demands to love him according to his holiness and rejected by men in order to silence the truth. It is my intention that the listeners of these broadcasts will hear about the entire character of God and so not distort the message of his holy word. I seriously hope that this episode along with others will be a blessing to your heart and a ray of hope in your life. And now for today's episode, Mary, Did You Know? Today's reading will be from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, the law of the Lord, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him a custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. 
and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. May God bless the hearing of his word. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. You know, the very last paragraph in this section that I've read is about this woman, Anna. You know, we can ask ourselves, well, how does a person look at a baby and see such things yet to come in the future? And biblically, you know, there are two types of prophecy. There's foretelling the word of God, which God's word is delivered. It's in as we have it today in its completed form in the scriptures, which we call the Bible. There are, are prophecies that have been spoken and written down and saved by God um, through first his prophets and then the scribes who've rewritten right up to this very day. It's a miraculous book. It's a book that took over 1,200 years to write by over 40 different authors in three different languages. It's, it's unbelievably a book that is miraculous because you can't go over that period of time with that many different authors and have complete, unabridged unity in the book. I mean, every part perfectly ties into every other part. I, along with many other men, you know, studied the book. I have studied for more than 45 years, and it's just not like any other book on the planet. Perfectly written. Uh, understandable to those who uh, have been graced by God to receive the Holy Spirit and understand just how clear and how it has a message like, well, it's just not told in the world. Not just in story form, but the message true about who man is and who God is and how the world began and how it all ends. And it's, it's, it's marvelous. And that's why I spend this time and so many men around the world spend the time studying it so that we can accurately proclaim it to others. And when we do that, that's prophesying and as it is foretelling what's already been written. To foretell is to know something that's going to happen ahead of time by the Spirit of Almighty God, not witchcraft, not something demonic, not something spiritual which is uh, created by fallen angels that seek to devour, destroy men. No, but rather by the goodness of Almighty God who gives grace to certain individuals. Um, so in, in this case, this woman is at the time of Christ and she was prophesying uh, something to happen beforehand. And in Deuteronomy 18, if you study that chapter, the fifth book of the Bible, 
uh, in chapter 18, it talks about how to discern between a good and a false prophet and that which comes true, it comes to pass by the prophet, uh, gives evidence that this is a true prophet of God. In this case, in both cases, Simeon and Hannah, the prophecies came completely true uh, because Jesus is true and because everything that the world understands uh, has been given about Jesus Christ has come to pass. This is how we know. The death of Jesus Christ is the most uh, written about and the most evidenced of something that of a person who took place in human history. Not just by Christian men, but also by historians who are atheists, understood that nothing is documented better than the death of Jesus Christ. He was a real live person in this day. When Anna saw this per person, and it says right in God's word, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. And her story is incredible because she married a man and only after, after only seven years, he passed. And she stayed a widow all her life and she stayed in the temple and she served in the temple continually for all those years. She was a woman of fasting and prayer. She was a godly woman, self-sacrificing. She, she lived the life of a person dedicated to God. And when she saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God for Jesus and continued to speak to him, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. How did she know? Well, she, she was given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave her knowledge beyond what a person could possibly know. There's no other explanation for what she did. And it's an explanation given of all the prophets, Moses, of godly men, throughout the biblical history who spoke in the name of God. That's why when the prophets speak, they say, uh, therefore God said, or thus saith the Lord. Not the man, but the man who is inspired by God to speak. As we've been talking about in previous podcasts from Second Peter chapter 2, we have a word made more sure because, see, they were up on the mountain, they saw the Lord Jesus Christ, and they saw his transfiguration, and as they were, he was transfigured before them. And they wrote it down, they wrote the Gospels, they wrote the New Testament, as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance and understanding, and that became the Word of God. So, and, and, and thus the Scriptures were inspired by God in men. In this case, this godly woman spoke about this Jesus thing she could not possibly know. Now, the same is true of Simeon. So, we, we, can, we read in the beginning that after eight days had passed, which is the time on the eighth day, which coincidentally happens to be the best day for a person to be circumcised, medically speaking, less likely to have infection and so on and so forth, and it's I'm being ironical when I say these things because God knows and he made the body when it is best to be done and he, he inspired his word to, to, to say just that. So it would be safest for his people to um, perform circumcision. 
And when the days of purification according to the law were completed, they went to the temple, they offered the sacrifices that they could afford according to the law, and at that time there was a man. So both Joseph and Mary were religious people, probably, very probably, uh, saved people. And they, they, they lived a righteous life according to the law. And at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And it said, tells us that he was a righteous man also, which means he was a man of repentance and faith. We're all born as sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the, Lord, uh, the glory of God, we're told in, in Romans chapter 3. And being a sinner, each and every person needs to come to that place of repentance and faith. They had a system, and in that system there was a lamb that took away the sins of the world, that took away sins. Only Jesus would take away the, truly take away sins, but it pictured Jesus. In that, in that system that they lived under, which we understand as um, Judaism, given by God under the law of Moses. And this people at that time who were moved by God would repent from sin as he made that sin known to them uh, as only God can. And a man then becomes repentant and grievous of the sinful life that he's living and he gives his life to Christ. Uh, who then later became revealed as the Lamb of God. So this man was a righteous man in that way, devout, and he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Many men didn't understand uh, exactly what that meant, but they were looking for the Messiah to come, word used throughout the Old Testament, meaning sent by God, sent to rescue his people Israel. And it also tells us in this portion about Simeon that the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is a key element in understanding God's word. Men go to liberal seminaries, institutes, and they learn about God. And some of those, many of those seminaries are by men seeking to be religious. They are not men who have been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, nor possess the Holy Spirit, and therefore are unable to clearly understand the, uh, the word, God's own word, because it's not given them because they haven't received grace. Grace to be saved, grace to be a child of God. As many as received him, in John chapter 1, we're told, to them he gave the authority to be children of God. This is not a right, it's not earned, there's no merit attached to it. It's something that's given by grace, which means it's without merit. It's a gift. It's freely given because God becomes gracious. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, we are told, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's Adonai, my masters, the name of God from the Old Testament, Christ, Christos in the Greek, or Hamashiach in the, in the Hebrew, and therefore he was waiting for the, the Messiah. And it came, and he came in the spirit into the temple. So he was a man who was regenerate, and he was a man upon whom the spirit would come upon, as he does in the New Testament. 
and gets saved. And throughout the book of Acts, we repeatedly see the phrase uh, being filled with the Spirit. Men are commanded to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. Why? Because, because a man's heart is made full, is brought back to life under the new covenant, Hebrews chapters um, 8 and 10. The new covenant is that God would place his laws upon a man's heart. This is part of regeneration. So a God does a, a beginning work, does not make the man perfect, but regenerates the man, gives him a, a heart to know God. And in this regeneration, uh, a man is made right before God. It's a grace afforded the person because he sent his son to die to cover the sins, to forgive the sins, to wash the sins away. And then having washed those sins away, he, he comes and creates a new heart and actually comes to live within. Now, sin may reoccur, and if a man is obstinate and rebellious, even though he's been regenerated, but because he's not perfect, he can sin, and when that happens, the fullness of God leaves. God doesn't leave. He's He's placed his gift of love upon a man. And uh, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there are tons of promises throughout the scripture uh, that would give a person assurance, even though he's not perfect. But the Holy Spirit will bring conviction of sin. And through that conviction of sin, bring that regenerate person to repent again. And upon that repentance, there is a cleansing and forgiveness and the fullness of God returns. This is uh, something that's really beyond time. The difference between Old and New Testament primarily is the knowledge, the awareness of the fullness of the plan. Jesus Christ was a shadow in the Old Testament, and with that lack of knowledge, as they pursued God, uh, there was a, a vast difference between those people, what they were accountable for, and also what they were given, and the New Testament, where... Jesus Christ came in the flesh, fulfilled the promise, died for the sins of the world, and the Holy Spirit was given with a new fullness, a new clarity, a new awareness of scriptural truth as people study his word and become filled with the Holy Spirit to a greater knowledge to which they are uh, greater accountable for that knowledge. And that's as big and if not even more important than the fact that they are given that knowledge and that grace and the opportunity to follow Christ to a more fuller extent. But the principle, the way it works, is was the same, old and new, in that men had the Holy Spirit regenerate them, and then they were given the Holy Spirit as a filling. So when he came in the temple, uh, and when the parents were brought, brought in the child, Jesus, being a man at this moment filled with the Holy Spirit uh, to carry out the custom of the Lord, Lord, law, then he took him in his arms and he blessed God and said, now the Lord, now Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart, depart in peace according to your word. He's talking about death. He's talking about he's going to die because he would not die until he saw the, saw the Lord's Christ. Here he was, in the flesh, a baby. Um, but God revealed to him in that moment, this baby is the Lord Jesus. You know, we sing the song, Mary, did you know? 
and it goes into all those beautiful lyrics about carrying a baby in your on her arms and and taking care as a mother does and feeding and nurturing and and caring protecting and through those years it raises the question did you know who Jesus would become did you know who you were carrying in your arms basically is is, is what that song is is talking about here in these moments Mary is hearing the words of this prophet, this man of God who would speak for God in this moment. And he's hearing exactly that message being given to the mother of God who would come to see him as the Savior. And he goes on and says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. He could depart in peace because salvation was in his arms. Salvation that he did not completely understand, or certainly did marry, but she was going to hide these things in her heart as she always did. When something like this happened, as when he went to the temple and went and spoke to the religious leaders of the day, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? And what does that mean? And, but she hid it in her heart. And the day would come when these things would be revealed. For Simeon, for Simeon all of this, as I just spoke a minute ago, were not revealed in perfect clarity. He didn't see Jesus hung on a cross. He didn't see the sacrificial lamb being offered as Mary would. So he says, but he departs in peace. He goes to that place where he's gathered to his people, um, a disembodied spirit to wait the resurrection from the dead, very much alive. And Jesus, in 30 years to come, would would come and deliver him as he did all the Old Testament saints and carried him away to heaven, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. For my eyes have seen your salvation, he said, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Wow. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. He's talking about the formation of the church after Israel would reject their Messiah and turn from him, not only in putting him on the cross, but after the church was formed and all Jewish people, all Jewish believers, all in Jerusalem, and uh, thousands and thousands would be saved, but ultimately in the course of time, Israel would wholesale reject the message. And God would turn for a time from Israel and would use the Gentile nations to proclaim the gospel, which he has for the last 2,000 years. The true gospel, not the gospels, that, uh, which are no gospels, which are heretical and not true, not according to God's word, viewing both God's righteous and holy anger and his grace, mercy, and forgiveness on sinners. And at this point, when he makes these remarks... Uh, it goes on to say in verse 33, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. So this is uh, a condensed version. He went on and he was saying things undoubtedly about the glory of the Messiah, probably a man written as John the Baptist's father was, and, and the quotes that we have about him taken right from Scripture, understanding the, the message of the coming Messiah, 
So many uh, uh, mingled in the prophecies of the Old Testament by the prophets. Um, for those who have eyes to see and, and see those that refer to Jesus as he was born in Bethlehem and so many. So this man speaks and he speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And after speaking about the, him and raising him up before the peoples and, and the mother and father, and that's peoples who may have been listening in at that moment, Simeon blessed them and said to marry his mother. So he's, he's looking at Mary. He's focusing on Mary. And he says to her, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. Now to fall, you have to be standing. Israel, as a nation, stood carrying the law of Moses, much of it distorted um, before the people as religious leaders had grown up after, so to speak, had uh, taken possession, the authority of leadership, who were not godly men, they were not righteous men like the Simeon, and I'm talking about those in control, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when you read the gospel, you understand the way there was this combative, combative relationship between Jesus and these religious leaders. They were the mob. They had the robes. They had the, uh, the, the traditions. They had all of the added uh, r- ritual uh, to the law of Moses hundreds of them, uh, which surrounded and actually changed and distorted what the law of Moses said for their own self-righteous behavior, out of their own self-righteous behavior. And so these men used their religion, um, some social, some religious, for their own good and for their own ends. They were contrary to one another. They were kind of like the two parties in America today. In, 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 the, in the sense that uh, they weren't they weren't saved by m- most most of them and I, and the reason I can make that statement it's a general statement and it can sound prejudiced uh, but Jesus made it clear when he preached the Sermon on the Mount it is the broad way that leads to destruction it's the narrow way that leads to eternal life few there be that find it these are Jesus words and they're true and so it is that many are religious. Many uh, have the appearance of being religious. And it's not for me or any man to judge who is and who isn't. There's fruit in people's lives. There's those who cling to Jesus Christ and the Word of God and will only speak from it. And these people are the, the people who uh, are, have been graced by God. No, nothing in, in themselves upon which Jesus would, uh, for, for this reason, Jesus does that. He, he ta- it's, it's his righteous and holy decision. And only God has the right to make it. So when he's speaking to the Mary, he's, he's one of these not false religious leaders, but a righteous man. And he, he tells the truth as he prophesies, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, those who fall or those who fall before Christ did not accept and receive the truth that this was the Christ. Instead, they fell by desiring his death. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and in that 
chapter of, of John's gospel in chapter 11, he, he speaks of, the scripture speaks of the fact that they conspired against this Christ to put him to death. Why, he raised a man from the dead? That is such a bad thing. But he was revealing the truth that they were false. And they were not. And soon many would receive that message. And they were fearful for their positions and for their power and for their money. And this was their fall. And there would be many in Jerusalem by the tens of thousands that would rise because they would see that they were sinners and they would receive the Lord's Christ. Then he goes on and he makes the statement for a sign to be opposed. And then he says, and Jesus was that sign and he was opposed. Everything Simeon said came true. He was a true prophet of God. But then he adds this, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What, what is that that he's talking about? Well, it's one thing to have a sword pierce your body. It's quite another to have a sword pierce your soul. The sword, if in the right place, that pierces a man's body can heal. And a man can actually virtually come back to what he was before. He doesn't sever you know, a spine or something like that. But when you pierce a soul, well, it too can be healed, absolutely. Um, but if it isn't healed, a person can go on carrying what we know, what we call baggage today, issues, and and it can, it can, person can carry emotional distress the rest of their life. As in the case when a person is guilty of something, and that guilt carries a weight in the conscience unless that conscience is hardened, but still it carries its destructive force in a person's mind and in their, in their conscience. So this, this sword pierces Mary's soul. What, what, what sword is that? For that, we would have to go 30 years, 33 years in the future, approximately, and where Jesus is taken by men who desire his not to lose their position, brought before Rome. He's condemned before Rome out of fear uh, on the part of Caesar. Uh, he was already on thin ice with, uh, uh, with Caesar. And, uh, I'm sorry, Pilate. Pilate was in thin ice with Caesar. And he was fearful that this trouble would cause him his position it's always for worldly position that these things take place, as God uses them in His, in His will, um, and He brings these things to pass. And so it is that um, He was brought before these men, and He was crucified after being scourged and the flesh being torn from His body, and then nailed to a, a wooden cross, and crucified, and and He hung there. And Mary, His mother beheld these things. I mean, how could this happen? Sitting on this hill, weeping with the women that were around her, and with John, the, uh, the disciple, soon to be an apostle. The, the eleven had, had f the other ten had fleed. Um, Peter himself followed closely behind. 
uh, denied Christ three times. And on the third time, as Jesus had prophesied, the cock crowed at that very moment. Jesus turned, looked at Peter. Peter saw, with the curse words coming out, out of his mouth, that Jesus was looking at him, remembered the prophecy, and fled. And when he fled, it says he went out and wept bitterly. And that bitterly in the Greek means violently. He wept violently. Well, think about how you would feel. He'd walked with a man for, for three years. The man was a godly man beyond anything you understood. And this man taught words that you'd never heard. He spoke with an authority that just could only come from Almighty God. You've seen him calm the storm, bringing the storm to an end, but then the waves and the water that would toss and turn for days yeah. normally in the Sea of Galilee. Instead, it's just perfectly calm within seconds. How does, how does this happen? Well, this is Almighty God who's in the boat who's brought this to pass. He makes the blind to see. He makes the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak. He raises the dead. <laughs> he performed works of miracles, not only to profess to the world around him at that time that he was Almighty God, which would become Scripture, God's holy word, and proclaimed Jesus for 2,000 years now. He did it for that reason, but he did it because he had compassion, we're told repeatedly on the multitudes. He cares. He is a God who cares. He cares about sinful people that would rather see him nailed to a cross to hold on to their own lives, their own worthless coming to an end in judgment lives. That's who we are in the world. It's a nasty, ugly thing to say. But it's the truth about me and about my listeners, anyone who's hearing these words. This is who Jesus Christ is, and this is the message he proclaimed. Mary heard that same message that Peter did. He went out and wept bitterly when he realized he, he had forsaken Jesus, ran away from him in his greatest hour of need. Mary would go on for the next 40 days, as did the rest, and received teaching from the resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit would be given in a fullness never before known on the day of Pentecost, when all of this truth was revealed by the, by the apostles, and the understanding becomes crystal clear where it was just a shadow in the Old Testament, a line given in the book of Hebrews. And as this became perfectly clear to her, Sorry, that uh, this Jesus, this, this baby that she carried in her body, that she cared for as a mother, who grew into man like no other man ever did, who was tempted like we are, yet without sin. This, this Jesus, this Jesus was nailed to a cross. Mary saw this, her son, who loved her like no son ever loved a mother before. And she came to complete realization 
that it was for her sins. Her sins put him up on the cross. And so Simeon says, to the end, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And so over the, over the last 2,000 years, men have come to the realization that uh, their, their sins put Christ on the cross. And so every person who would come to Christ, every person that would receive him as Lord, Romans chapter 10, for as many as received him, to them gave the power, and I'm sorry, that's John. But if you shall confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. So the the person who receives Jesus as Lord, recognizing the effect uh, of their sin and what that had to send the Son of God, the perfect Lamb, loved by the Father in eternity, the perfect love and the infinite love between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the divine Trinity being three persons in one God, loving an eternal state, coming up with a plan, a creation, a bride for the Son, a people who would love God and be welcomed into the, the divine family because they would be brought into union with the Son of God as he offers himself for their sins and his righteousness is placed upon them. Total forgiveness is received and uh, and they become children of God, and each one of them in their place, like Mary, would be broken in their hearts, realizing their sinful state, give their lives to Christ, be regenerated in heart, give a fullness of understanding as they study the Word of God and come to understand that the love of God and to the extent that God goes to make things right by forgiving sin, by loving the sinner. While we were yet sinners, Christ, for us in Romans chapter 4, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, as, uh, as Simeon tells us. And so this is this message, Mary, did you know, did you know that, uh, that Jesus would die for your sins? Well, she came to that awareness. Now my thought is to, to my hearers, everyone who might listen to this, are you in that right relationship with Almighty God at this Christmas season? Have you come to repent of sin, having recognized that uh, that is the only way to get into heaven? Because we we can't carry that the penalty of sin ourselves. We're just human beings. We're sinful human beings. We're not perfect. Only a perfect lamb without sin from eternity past, which leaves only one, Almighty God in the in the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, who puts on human flesh, who lives 30 years a righteous life, never sins in thought, word, deed, motive, anything at all. Perfect lamb lives out as a man so that as a man he can die and carry men's sins on the cross and bestow upon them his own righteous love for what is the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength. This great commandment is the fulfillment of the law. 
This is why God's people are obedient to him, why they submit to his will, even in an imperfect state in this life, perfectly in the life to come. Why? Because God loved us, and because he loved us, we therefore love him. Romans. So out of that love, we fulfill the law to a degree, but we can't do it perfectly, and and no one has done it perfectly but Christ. And there is... The, the perfect substitution and union with God and the bride being made complete. And upon death in this life, or Jesus comes back and those who are translated up to meet him in the air are made perfect, are given a resurrected body, made perfect for eternity. Not like this one, but from the new heaven and the new earth. These are prophecies. These are God's, these are statements from God's word. Do my listeners know and understand these things? Do you desire to know these things? Do you love God? And are you in a right relationship with him? So that when sin may come in, you can confess your sin and God continues to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, desiring with everything within you not to sin any longer at all. This is what righteousness looks like, and I hope you all have experienced it, or will experience it at least in this Christmas season, when we remember the Lord's birth and the life that he that followed. I hope uh, if you like these podcasts that you will write me. My email is on the, on the website, and let me know. If you have any questions, you can at any time write them, and I will write you back. We'll check them out. Lord bless. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Happy New Year. Amen.